Chapter Eleven of Andreas Vesalius, the Reformer of Anatomy, by James Morris Ball. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleventh: Contents of the Fabrica. The reputation of Vesalius rests securely upon the Fabrica. This grand book, which is dedicated to Charles V, consists of six hundred and fifty-nine folio pages of text, thirty-four pages of index, disposed in three columns to the page six pages of preface and two pages of a letter which is addressed to ioannis oparinus the renowned professor of greek letters in basel the work is printed in excellent style the printed page measures eight by twelve and a half inches including the marginal notes there are fifty-seven lines to a page averaging twelve words to a line or approximately seven hundred words to a page this is written amid many duties and distractions in the short period of three years it is truly a monument of diligence the text of the fabrica is clear and concise it describes what has to be described and does it well the errors which vesalius rectified and the improvements which he made in anatomy are so numerous that references can be made to only a few of them his anatomical writings are of such bulk that they cannot be reviewed adequately within the limits of the present chapter as regards the fabrica we may say with richardson that the dissection and the plates are the book the fabrica contains the rudiments of anthropology as well as the first illustrations of comparative anatomy vesalius portrays a human skull resting upon the skull of a dog he also shows a simian and a canine sacrum and coccyx to prove his contention that galen's anatomy was derived from dissection of the lower animals the fabrica is more than an anatomy throughout the work physiology goes hand in hand with the anatomical description the use and function of each part of the body is given in short clear sentences the fabrica is built upon a practical plan it treats of anatomy in a logical manner and is composed of seven books which deal with the following subjects one bones and cartilages two ligaments and muscles three veins and arteries four nerves five organs of nutrition and generation six heart and lungs and seven brain and organs of sense the first book vesalius devotes one hundred and sixty-eight pages to the bones and cartilages treating these structures with a thoroughness that amazed his contemporaries he was the first author who correctly described the osseous system as a whole in numerous instances vesalius places himself in direct opposition to the opinions of galen he denied the existence of the intermaxillary bone in adults and showed that the inferior maxilla does not consist of two pieces as had been asserted by galen the seven bones of the sternum were reduced to three by vesalius he denied galen's statement that the bones of the symphysis pubis separate during parturition he was the first anatomist to give an accurate description of the sphenoid bone a small aperture at the root of the pterygoid process of the sphenoid bone is called foramen vesalii vesalius proved the existence of marrow in the bones of the hand which had been denied by galen in all respects he wrote more intelligently of the bones than any anatomist who had preceded him the second book 
vesalius devotes one hundred and eighty-eight pages to a description of the ligaments and the muscles this part of his treatise while it contains a few errors and does not reach the high plane of the first book is superior to any work of its kind that had preceded it vesalius was the first writer to describe the internal pterygoid muscle he denied the existence of a general muscle of the skin and stated that the intercostal muscles merely separate the ribs without expanding or contracting the thorax he held the view that nerves and muscles do not stand in any relation of proportionate strength to one another large nerves often being distributed to small muscles he also held that the tendons are similar in structure to the ligaments vesalius's plates of the superficial muscles are among the most beautiful that have ever appeared they have been copied in practically all later treatises on anatomy and have been used extensively by art anatomists his plates of the deeper muscles while naturally not so pleasing to the eye are wonderfully near accuracy the different muscles are drawn to show function as well as structure the third book the third book of the fabrica comprising sixty pages is devoted to the veins and arteries vesalius begins with definition of a vein and describes the structure of these vessels in general the term artery is treated in like manner he introduces several small illustrations which serve to elucidate this part of the text his first large plate in this section is devoted to the vena portae this is followed by a full-page picture of the entire venous system the arterial system is fully described and elaborately illustrated to these is added another plate in which both arteries and veins are represented in their natural order in other plates he shows the special circulations cerebral portal and pulmonary vesalius described the valve which guards the foramen ovale in the fetus and also noticed the valve-like fold which guards the entrance of each hepatic vein into the inferior vena cava he also gave an admirable description of the vena azygos blinded by the ancient theory of the movement of the blood a sort of flux and reflux in the veins he overlooked the function of the venous valves he described them as eminences or projections or accidental rugosities which in no way interfere with the flux and reflux of the blood the fourth book vesalius devotes forty pages to the cerebral and spinal nerves the anatomy of the brain is treated in the seventh book his representations of the nerves are very creditable he mentions eleven pairs of cranial nerves the olfactory the optic the motores oculorum the trifacial the abducens the portio dura the portio mollis the glossopharyngeal the pneumogastric and the spinal accessory his account of the brain contained in the seventh book is elaborately minute considering the time when it was written his illustrations and description of this organ surpass those of scores of later authors vesalius fully describes the position of the brain the membranes which cover it the cavities or ventricles within it the divisions of cerebrum cerebellum and medulla the anatomy of the base and the origins of the cerebral nerves these structures are illustrated from different points of view the fifth book 
the fifth book comprising more than one hundred pages is devoted to the organs of nutrition here we find an admirable account of the peritoneum the mesentery the omentum the stomach and intestines the liver the spleen and the genitourinary tract all of which structures are described and fully illustrated in this book vesalius also describes the fetus in utero the sixth book in less than fifty pages vesalius describes the contents of the thorax he writes intelligently of the membrane lining the thorax and then gives an account of the arteria aspera as the trachea was formerly named passing on to the lungs he next takes up the anatomy of the heart he describes its position form and structure in better terms than had been done by preceding anatomists the auricles ventricles and valves are carefully examined his illustrations of both lungs and heart are excellent in the fifteen forty three edition of the fabrica vesalius adopts the erroneous view of galen that openings exist in the septum of the heart in the second edition of his book published in fifteen fifty five he says that influenced by the views of galen he believed that the blood passes from the right to the left ventricles of the heart through the septum by means of the pores vesalius immediately adds that the septum of the heart is as dense and compact as the rest of this organ and that not the smallest quantity of blood passes through the septum his account of this subject is best given in his own words in recounting as above the structure of the heart and the use of its different parts i have followed in the main the doctrines of galen not that i regard them in all particulars as consonant with the truth but because in attributing new functions and uses to a number of parts i am still distrustful of myself and not long ago should hardly have ventured to differ from that prince of physicians by so much as a finger's breadth as for the dividing wall or septum between the ventricles forming the right side of the left cavity the student of anatomy should consider carefully that it is equally thick compact and dense with all the rest of the cardiac substance enclosing the left ventricle and accordingly notwithstanding what i have said about the pits in this situation and at the same time not forgetting the absorption by the portal vein from the stomach and intestines i still do not see how even the smallest quantity of blood can be transfused through the substance of the septum from the right ventricle to the left vesalius and other anatomists knew of the hepatic circulation or at least believed in some communication between the portal and hepatic veins the branches of this vein vena cava distributed through the body of the liver come in contact with those of the portal vein and the extreme ramifications of these veins inosculate with each other and in many places appear to unite and be continuous vesalius knew that in several particulars the accepted physiology of the vascular system was wrong if he could have lived a few years longer it is possible that he might have solved the great problem which was made clear by william harvey in the light of our present knowledge some of vesalius's words are suggestive when these matters are taken into account many things at once present themselves in regard to the arterial system which deserve careful consideration 
especially the fact that there is hardly a single vein going to the stomach the intestines or even the spleen without its accompanying artery and that nearly every member of the portal system has a companion artery associated with it in its course again the arteries going to the kidneys are of such size that they can by no means be affirmed to serve merely for regulating the heat of these organs and still less can we assert that so many arteries are distributed to the stomach intestines and spleen for that purpose alone and there is therefore the fact which we must for many reasons admit that there is through the arteries and veins a mutual flux and reflux of materials and that within these vessels the weight and gravitation of their contents has no effect the seventh book in the seventh book consisting of less than sixty pages vesalius fully describes the anatomy of the brain of the cranial nerves and of the organs of sense his description of the eye is not as near accuracy as might be expected he places the crystalline lens in the centre of the globe his description of the organ of vision was only slightly better than that which was given by galen vesalius showed however that the optic nerve is not a hollow tube and that it does not enter the eyeball exactly in the antero-posterior axis conclusion considering the time in which he lived vesalius was remarkably free from errors although to him the arteries were carriers of vital spirits the veins were the true blood vessels and according to the first edition of his great book the septum of the heart was filled with foramina yet we must say with bas these are all mere shadows necessary to the brilliancy of the picture vesalius was more than an anatomist as a practical physician he had the highest reputation among his contemporaries he was an accomplished scholar and was thoroughly conversant with the weaknesses of human nature as is evident from many satirical touches in his writings although his great work contains many errors that a tyro of the present day would laugh at it laid the foundations of our knowledge vesalius overthrew the idol of authority in anatomy and taught us to look at nature with our own eyes Wartal has paid a splendid tribute to vesalius vesalius he says appears to me one of the greatest men who ever existed let the astronomers vaunt their copernicus the natural philosophers their galileo and torricelli the mathematicians their pascal the geographers their columbus i shall always place vesalius above all their heroes the first study of man is man vesalius has this noble object in view and has admirably attained it he has made on himself and his fellows such discoveries as columbus could make only by travelling to the extremity of the world the discoveries of vesalius are of different importance to man by acquiring fresh knowledge of his own structure man seems to enlarge his existence while discoveries in geography or astronomy affect him but in a very indirect manner like harvey vesalius was obliged to defend his writings from fierce attacks the most desperate of his opponents was his old master jacobus silvius who was so wedded to the galenic teaching that he asserted that since galen's time the thigh bones had changed their shape he spoke of vesalius as a madman vesanus whose pestilential breath poisons europe 
ponderous discussions were carried on between the friends and opponents of the great anatomist the complete overthrow of the galenists resulted if vesalius had remained professor of anatomy in padua instead of being appointed physician to charles v in madrid in fifteen forty four it is probable that the circulation of the blood would have been discovered by him in recent years attempts have been made to show that it was not vesalius but leonardo da vinci who was the founder of modern anatomy a considerable amount of controversial literature has accumulated on this subject for our purpose it may suffice to quote the conclusions of mcmurrick leonardo was the first to create a new anatomy but he created it for himself alone vesalius demonstrated a new anatomy to the world it was the publication of vesalius's fabrica that revolutionized anatomy while leonardo's drawings were lying unpublished at first the cherished possessions of his favorite pupil melzi later in the ambrosian library in milan and still later forgotten in the royal library at windsor we must credit leonardo as being the forerunner of the new anatomy but vesalius must be recognized as its founder End of chapter 11